And the best way to test that is to have that thing and to see if people will pay for it. But if that's going to take you a year to build, then yeah, you need to find shortcuts. But if you can build it in a month... Hi, everyone. You're listening to Scaling DevTools, the show that investigates how DevTools go from zero to one. I'm joined today by Robin Warren, who is the founder of Corello. And Corello is a dashboard for Scrum and Kanban teams using Trello. And Robin is also the founder of Blue Cat Reports and is generally the god of building tools for Trello, I think is uh, <laughs> maybe one way to put it. Robin, thanks so much for joining. No, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Could you tell us a little bit about Corello and about Blue Cat Reports and all the things that you're working on? Yeah, sure. I mean, a little bit sort of stepping back before Corello, I guess, which might be relevant to the listeners. My background prior to that was I was a software developer and I was head of development. I think my technical title was CTO. I probably gave myself that title at a um, 40 person company. So it was like a dev team of 15 mix of sort of dev and testers. So managing the development team there either way was kind of my role. I took redundancy from that. I'd been building side projects even in weekends and never really getting anything off the ground and ended up, yeah, the plan was I took the redundancy. My first child was born and I was like, okay, I can't really do evenings and weekends so much now because it's going to be family time and I'll just be tired anyway. So I've got a little bit of money saved, a bit of redundancy, and I can go and try and build something. So that was where I um, started building a few different things, ended up settling on Corello, which wasn't initially focused on developers, but after a couple, two, three months was focused on developers, building for Trello. That took off, did fairly well, and I just kept on finding more opportunities within the Trello ecosystem. And it was kind of, there's a lot of things there that were sort of half built already because we've got a lot of the code. We understood the users, you know, we had a mailing list of people who were Trello users. So we could, it just kind of made sense to keep on working in that that ecosystem that we kind of understood. Corolla was the first one. So that's like you said, it's Scrum and Kanban team dashboard. So burn down charts, cycle time, cumulative flow diagram, and we've got whip age, stuff like that in there now, some sort of more sort of modern stuff. Um, we added a free power-up, which is a kind of a lead magnet to that called Agile Tools. So that was somebody at Trello actually contacted us and said, hey, we've got loads of people asking for story points. And there was ways of doing it in Trello, but it was kind of hacks and Chrome plugins. So we built that as a Trello power-up and made that free and got quite a lot of installs for that. I think we're up to about 100,000 installs for that one now. And that was collecting email addresses and, you know, sort of pointing people towards Corello if they're interested in that. And then the story points there would integrate well with Corello and we could sort of use all of those there. And we've got, I think, 10 power-ups now. So there's a mix of paid and sort of free lead magnet ones. So we've got sort of four paid ones, if I'm right. We keep on adding more and more. We'll add more this year, I think. So Blue Cat Reports is the, the next sort of really big one that we built. So it was coming out of Corello. A lot of people were signing up for that, but they weren't really dev teams. We were one of the better, if not the best, reporting option in town. So they would sign up for that and then get very confused by a lot of the terminology in there. So we built like a general purpose reporting tool for Trello with Blue Cat Reports. And then we keep on following the smell of you know, what people are asking for in the forums and when we're chatting to customers, what they're trying to do, that kind of thing. It seems like you've really like cornered that space of Trello and um, kind of reporting and add-ons. Yeah, I mean, my, my background as well was always reporting. So I've always worked at sort of software companies building reporting tools. First company was doing reporting for like, you know, general elections and BBC. So not the swingometers, we never did those, but we did all of the data systems behind the swingometers. And we did the reporting tools for the producers, the um, like Dimbleby and everyone, all the presenters would be looking at our screens with data on. So I've always worked 
And then the, the, pre- the previous company just before this was, um, I was there about 11 years and we're doing reporting systems for public sector performance management. So I've always kind of worked in reporting. So I knew what works and what doesn't work, basically. I was going to talk about it in more detail anyway, this article that you wrote called Zero to 1K MRR in 57 months. And in that, you kind of talk about your journey and all the different things that you built from like a word search generator to like, um, yeah, yeah, like some job finding tools. It's interesting that you landed on something that was like much closer to the skills that you've been building over those last, like your whole career, I guess. It was random chance, but it was also slightly, you know, it's this sort of look surface area idea. Um, so when I took redundancy and I was going in trying to work out what to build, I did a little bit of digging through some of those old tools that I had out there and just contacting some of the more active users or putting an idea to a mailing list and saying, hey, what if it did this? What if it did that? And just tried a few things just to see if I could get any of them off the ground. But within, a, I was sort of pretty militant on that as well. It was, you know, it was like a week maybe on something and doing everything very manual. And if it wasn't showing any um, interest from people, it was like, well, I'm not going to carry on with this. Because at that point, I was just spending, I don't know, two and a half grand a month for me and the family to stay alive, but not bringing any money in. So you really feel the pressure to start bringing some cash in. I was casting around for ideas. And yeah, I was actually ended up going and working with a friend who had a marketing agency, and he was interested in trying to get some data out of Trello, basically, was one of his issues. We chatted about a load of different things all day, which I was helping him out with, just trying to work out where he could maybe hire someone to build some internal tools or where they could buy stuff. And one of the things they had issues with was getting data out of Trello. And then I went home, and then it was full 24 hours before I realized, oh, wait a minute, that could be like a product idea. (laughs) And then I I built it. The sort of chance had to kind of come and beat me over the face with a stick before I realized it was there in front of me. I was putting myself in the area to find to be lucky at the time, if you know. Yeah, that. and I guess like they considered you as someone that probably knew how to solve this problem. Yeah, I mean, he didn't come to me with that specific problem. It was more he was he was kind of looking to hire someone to be a, the tech person within his business. And I'd said I, I wasn't interested because I just left a job and I wanted to do my own thing. But I said, let's look through, you know, what you would get that person to do, and then I can just tell you what you know from a sort of lead developer kind of point of view, what of those things just aren't solvable by technology, what you could just buy something and what is an interesting problem you could actually get someone in. And then I can sort of work out, do a bit of spec work for you. And then you can hire a developer to, to do the work was kind of my pitch. I said, look, I'll just come along and hang out with you for a day and do what a lead developer would do for you so that maybe you can hire someone a bit more junior to to do the work, which ended up not going anyway. I think they decided they didn't want to go that route anyway. But one of the things they were talking about was the sort of Trello idea. So it wasn't necessarily coming to me with a pitch of saying, hey, could you build this? It was quite tangential, really, that it was, it sort of came out. Yeah. So not something anyone can replicate, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Saying that, I think one of the things I thought after that, and after that had kind of worked, was if I wanted to get ideas again, I would potentially go to meetups for marketing teams or, you know, whatever kind of teams and just chat to people over the evening and say, hey, look, if I said that you could have a free developer for two months, what would you get them to do? You know, because a lot of people in their companies do have issues that they need resolving that they they think, oh, a developer could probably fix this. And half the time, it's possibly something a developer can't fix. That way of framing it to them, you know, it's like, hey, if I just said I would do free work for you for two months, that's a good software developer, what would you what would you have me build? If you go and ask a software company that, they'll just tell you to build their product. But if you ask a 
I was going to say real estate agents, but that's not the UK term, is it? What do you call them? In, <laughs> I've been spending too much time with Americans. You go and talk to <laughs> cafe owners or whatever, you know, you will find something in their business, which is a technical problem. And somewhere along the line, you might find a problem which is worth £30 a month to them or £40 a month, you know. And that actually lands on one of the other interesting points that you raised about building something worth £30 a month or more. And it would be great to kind of hear a little bit about the kind of summary of that 57-month journey and kind of the lessons that you learned. You've read it more recently than me, so you can tell me if I'm getting anything wrong. So, I mean, I really wanted to write that blog post and I was looking forward to writing it when I knew that I was actually going to get to the 1K MRR because you, I don't know if you get so much of it now, but the world I was in then, you were seeing like, it just seemed like all the time when was like, oh, we launched something, we were up to like 1K MRR in a day or three days or, you know, it's like, look at us, aren't we great, you know? And I didn't know many people who were having that kind of success, to be honest, you know, it's a slog and some people were slogging and never get there. It's not guaranteed, no matter how good you are or how good the product is, all this kind of thing, it's really tough. Um, and it does take time. But yes, yeah, so I was going through, I was I was building a lot of different products. And one of the things I was doing was trying not to make the same mistake more than once or twice. <laughs> so with each product, it was like, okay, this, you know, so like one was this word search generator, I think. Patrick McKenzie had his bingo card creator. I was like, well, what about word searches, you know? for schools, mm. same kind of thing. And I can do use a lot of the same marketing tactics. Yeah, at the end of that, it was from chatting to a few teachers afterwards. It was like, yeah, pe- teachers are buying this out of their own budgets, of their own pocket, basically. There's no real interest. There's a load of free alternatives that they could just go and download and get sort of worksheets. So I think that part of the idea was there was like, you know, no one's got this problem in a recurring fashion. I can't remember all the other products I was building. But it built up over time and the rules I was kind of setting for myself as I was evaluating ideas were it needs to be a problem, which is a recurring problem for them. And you see it sometimes people launch something and they have a kind of SaaS pricing on it, but the recurring problem they're solving is that they want money every month. Not that that customer has got that problem every month. You know, they're wondering why, Oh, why does my backup tool or download something tool is like, no, everyone subscribes for one month and then cancels my churns through the roof. It's like, it's cause it's not a monthly recurring problem for those people, you know? Um, and it needed to be a problem that was worth at least, I think I put 30 pounds down and it'd probably be 40 pounds now with inflation. But, you know, it's something that forces you as a developer, to be honest about, is this something which, if you, if you think you can only honestly charge like a dollar, five dollars for it, you know, and people make success with that kind of route. But for me, it was like, that was a way of getting rid of 80% of ideas that would need such huge volume that it was going to be tricky to to achieve that. Yeah. What were the other rules that I, I set? Uh, was, um, some of them we've got, don't spend ages building a load of perfect functionality no one will ever see. Yeah. yeah. I think most of us know that nowadays, don't we? I think I probably knew it at the time, but the same thing is like, I'm not going to do something just because somebody told me it's the wrong thing to do. I'll learn a lesson myself the hard way. So yeah, built, I spent a lot of time building code, tested up the wazoo and then launch it and crickets, you know? And it's like, well, that was a bit pointless, wasn't it? I still slightly stand by building things rather than you know a landing page and build an email list this kind of stuff i think you know ultimately you're trying to test the theory that if this thing existed people would pay you money for it you know um and you could find sufficient quantities of people that they would pay for it um that it would be worth your while to keep on running as a business right and the best way to test that is to have that thing and to see if people will pay for it but if that's going to take you a year to build, then yeah, you need to find shortcuts. But if you can build it in a month or two weeks, is it better to 
build a just a landing page, you know, because a landing page doesn't truly test whether people will pay for it. It tests whether people would sign up and give you an email address on a landing page. You know, if you want to do prepay or, you know, if you want to build a small version of it, well, that tests if people would pay for a small version of it. It doesn't necessarily rule in or out whether they would pay for the final thing, you know, and it's especially hard. I mean, sort of thinking earlier, especially hard early on with a product. Because until you've built it and talked to the market, you don't necessarily know what it is you need to build. You know, I sort of go into microconference and Steli FD talking about what his expected conversion rates are from like how many phone calls he needs to make to get how many demos to get a customer. And I think it's like, you know, it's like 100 calls to get 10 demos, to get two final demos, to get one customer. But that's Steli FD for one. I'm not Steli FD, so I'm not going to be as good at sales. He's selling a product that he knows what the, exactly what that product is and what it needs to be. They've got their market positioning working out, and they know how to explain and sell that product to people. Early on, you don't know what the product is because you're still trying to work out what it needs to be, and you don't know how to sell it because you don't know what it is yet. So your conversion rates are going to be so abysmally low. I mean, obviously, people do have success with it, but the closer you can get to having a natural product people can use... And then you can have that conversation with the market through them working with that, this, you know, agile approach of working software over contracts and that kind of thing is um, I'm still sort of a proponent of that. If, if it doesn't mean disappearing for months and not talking to the market, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, move fast, like build things, test things. But then when it comes to actually yeah. like looking at the reception and kind of thinking, is this, good or is this not good yeah no and i mean i've i've been lucky as well in that you know after after the first year the trello power up directory became open to third-party developers and that was when business growth really took off for me so products we've launched since then we haven't had to do a lot of this kind of going and finding people and having conversations we've built products that we knew there was a market for because we're already talking to people about it and we've launched it into a marketplace where we are guaranteed a certain amount of signups every week anyway without us having to work at the marketing at all basically so and then we can have those conversations with people whereas if i was starting again from blank i I mean i would still be in the same confused struggling position i was then i think it's just really hard to find people and know what you should be saying to them about this product to get them interested and find out you know what it is you actually need to build so i firstly i want to ask you about trello's marketplace and like how that's been but i think that'll be the next question of what was it like when you first launched corello and like what did you build how did you find those first customers and kind of assess it was a good idea so the first thing was corello was a tool for agencies so this is based on my friend's agency they had a board for each client I think it was only two or three of them in the company and then a lot of freelancers writing content, basically. And they were finding that every week freelancers were missing tasks on their Trello board and they needed to go and find them and chase them and make sure that content was getting done and pushed out in time. And that that process of going through all these different Trello boards every week was actually taking quite a long time to go and collate everything together. So that was correct. The name Corello came from was Collate and Trello which is my wife's idea. I had a load of really terrible ideas, but she came up with that on a walk one day. So that was what the original tool was, and that was what we launched. I think I launched that after about two months of development. So, it's, I mean, I took it around within a week to show my friend and say, hey, this is what I built. And he was like, yep, I need that right now. And he was like, okay, well, it only works on this laptop at the moment. So give me another week and I'll get it deployed somewhere where you can log in and use it with your own credentials. Um, and after a couple of months, it was that kind of pressure I was saying that was sort of felt. And that was one of the most 
pressured times I've felt, I think, in a whole business was in those days where I was just building and there was no sign that where I was going to get to where I needed to get to make money for me and the family. But meanwhile, we're just burning cash, basically. So I launched that. We went, you know, Hacker News, Product Hunt. And in the meantime, I'd done a lot of contacting sort of agile coaches on Meetup. I'd gone to... Oh, yeah. that agile coaches would have been later because this was still focused on agency. So I was contacting agencies or going to meetups in Bristol that would have these people at them. I wasn't really finding anyone who was taking the bait, basically. Um, I had introductions to friends of friends who uh, said, oh, yeah, there's somebody in my co-working area that uses Trello. I'd go and chat to them. They'd sort of give it a go. I emailed the list for my previous product I've been building and said, hey, I'm not building that anymore. I'm building this thing. Is anyone using Trello? And I think I got one or two people off of that were using it. Only one person ever became a customer, and that was my friend who I developed it with originally. I think I'd, through all its sort of cold outreach, I got maybe seven beta users who were trying it out, who were who seemed to be actively using it, you know, giving me a bit of feedback, and we're trying stuff out. So it was sort of last ditch, basically. I kind of thought, well, let's stick it up on Product Hunt, do a show HN, and, you know, if I don't get any interest after a week of that, then it's time to can this thing and go and build whatever the next product is. I used to have a great time going to startup meetups in Bristol and telling people, like talking like that about it, being like, I'm going to give it two more weeks and then I'm throwing it in the bin and I'm starting on something else. And they were like, you can't talk like that. You've got to talk about how you're changing the world and this is the greatest thing ever. And, you know, it's like, but no, it's not how I see it. You know, it's like, this is the latest experiment. And if it's not working, then it's time to move on to something else, you know? So I launched that on there with not great expectations but just sort of like you know let's just do this it did amazingly well on product hunt we were in the top 10 at the end of the day i think and we we're in the top five most of the day until like san francisco woke up and a load of like a startup with stupid t-shirts you know and it's like oh they're number one now you know this sort of nonsense knocks you off but we had a really good day there and we did quite well at the show hn i think so I ended up with like one or two thousand trial signups after that we had a free tier at the time as well so i had one or two thousand people on a free tier i had to spend the next weekend rewriting a lot of the code because it was fairly not badly written it was fairly badly architected the way it works and the way it generated the data for the reports so we do an email report on monday mornings was it would just throw everything out and do a complete reload of all your data from trello and that was fine when there was seven people in there, but with 2,000 people in there, it would have taken about two weeks to generate one week's worth of data. So I had to sort of re-architect all that to actually work and make sure all the emails went out. And that was all going out, and I was picking the color of my you know, second Ferrari and all this kind of stuff. And then after a week, no one's converting to the paid plans. So there's trying a few different approaches. That was when I started emailing everyone and saying... So the, the test there was... You know, would somebody get on a call with me for 15 minutes? You know, if somebody's willing to get on a call with you for 15 minutes, they either just really like a chat or they've got a problem that is an important problem in their business. It's not easy to get an email address of someone and get them to sign up for a trial. It's a lot harder than to get them on for 15 minutes. So I started talking to a lot of people and it was the group people I was getting back were 50-50 marketing people who hang out on Product Hunt and love trying everything new. And those sort of people are now better customers for some of the newer tools like Blue Cat Reports, but they weren't. And I, I started chasing some of those people down, but really, I don't think they had a problem. They just liked, or there was a problem that I couldn't find out exactly what it was and find a solution for it. But the other half of the people I was chatting to were product managers, CTO, head of development, you know, it was people like this, or, you know, this, the one software developer on a team who 
is sort of standing in as a scrum master or does that kind of you know stuff for the team but they're still just called lead software developer or something you know but it was people who cared a little bit about managing the scrum process and although we didn't have any of those sort of tools in there they were interested that we had something you know to do with reporting in trello so they started asking for these other features that was where this sort of scent from the um, market came apparent basically it was like okay here's a group of people who if I said I was going to charge them $40, $80, they were like, you know, Robin, I've got 20 software developers, $80 a month is nothing, you know? Um, and they were, they had a real problem. They were saying, you know, we, my team really loves Trello, but I really need XYZ reporting. And I don't want to force them all into Jira or Pivotal or whatever it is, because then I'm the big bad manager. So if you can give me something that just layers over the top of what the team's happy using, then I'm a happy bunny. So it's like, okay, willingness to pay, they've got a clearly defined problem. And I understand that market. You know, I've been sort of a managing a scrum team prior to that, I like the Kanban stuff. You know, I've been in that sort of agile world, software development world. So I knew, I thought how to talk to those people and, and where to find them basically. So yeah, and then that was when that sort of pivot to the dev tool kind of focus and really started building that in that direction. That's really, really interesting how you got there and, and your kind of expertise. So then once you had that kind of like you were speaking to people, they were giving up their time to speak to you, telling you that yeah. they're willing to pay for this. I guess you had a lot of stuff to build as the next step. Yeah, you know, How was that next step? Was it building? Was it kind of doubling down on Trello's marketplace? Or Yeah, so the Trello marketplace still didn't exist. That didn't really come around until January of the next year. So that whole first year, I was still kind of working a bit on marketing myself, sort of blogging. Yeah, mostly blogging and sort of going in sort of some probably posting sort of in discussions on Reddit and stuff like that occasionally. I tried a bit of Reddit advertising as well. Lots and lots of building. And most of that time after that was building. And I think if Trello hadn't launched a marketplace, I probably wouldn't be sitting here now. It was that the end of that year was when I got to the 1K MRR. And I was also about to run out of money. So I was actively looking at potentially getting a job. And then the marketplace came out and stuff started ticking up. And I think, you know, the, the business would have kept on taking over and making a little bit of money, but it would have ended up being a, a nice profitable side project rather than a, you know, a, a business that could stand on its own two feet. Building stuff, luckily what seemed to happen was somebody would come in and say, like even nicely, they would say, it'd be great if it did X, Y, and Z. And that would be X, Y, and Z, you know, cycle time. And I'd be like, great, makes sense, you know. Or they'd be really pissy and they'd say, I can't believe you're trying to charge $30 for this and it doesn't even do cycle time. And I say, that's a great point. <laughs> let's let's do cycle time. And I build that for two weeks, a week or two weeks. Um, they would become a customer. And then the next person would come in with a sensible requirement. So I was never completely overwhelmed with trying to build too much at once. But there was a constant sort of obvious priority list of stuff to work through that made sense. I was just adding this chart, that chart into the, into the product, basically. It wasn't the greatest time in terms of code quality, I would say, because it was... I was building quite quick to get stuff out. I was working from home, wife, my sort of, well, I know, six, seven month old daughter at the time. So I was just working quite long hours, but still seeing them for breakfast, lunch, bath time, all that, all that kind of stuff. But fitting in as much as I could around all of that, just to try and get stuff done and try and get that revenue up, basically. So there's a lot of building, but there was almost always somebody who was waiting to pay me money if I built that thing. Um, and then it's that sort of SaaS ramp of death, I guess, you know, you spend two weeks building something and you get another 40 to $80 a month for it. <laughs> so 
takes a lot of those before you can afford your mortgage, basically. You mentioned the marketplace kind of came in and, and helped. Yeah. I know it's like a lot of like advice sometimes given that like, especially indie founders, that marketplaces are a really good way to, could you talk a little bit about like what it's been like? It's a free marketing channel that almost anyone else in the world can get into as well. Though. So it's not guaranteed you'll get a huge amount of space in there. But I, I was lucky in that I think when they launched it, there was seven power-ups, seven free third-party power-ups in there. I was just compiling the stats this morning. There's about 300 power-ups now, you know, and there's a lot of power-ups that are directly competing with my power-ups now, whereas often when I launched them, they were the first one doing that thing. So if you can find a marketplace that you are early into, that is great. It's good that Trello have been actively pushing the marketplace and try. they see the power-ups as a useful thing for their customers to have. So they have continually tried to put the power-ups more and more in, in front of their customers' eyes, basically. Whereas, you know, I think like Stripe's got a marketplace. I use Stripe a lot. I've only seen the marketplace because I've gone and looked for it. There's nowhere in Stripe saying, hey, why don't you click here and install this thing or install that thing or check out our, you know, then they don't seem as keen on pushing it. I, I mean, I don't know anyone who builds in the Stripe marketplace and maybe they do brilliantly off of it. I mean, Stripe's so huge. Maybe that works to the counter. But yeah, it's useful checking, is this marketplace promoted by the platform in, in any way? But I mean, a, apart from that, it's it's a case of listing it in there, you know, making sure it shows up for search and yeah, just, just working with the, the trials you're getting, getting in every week, basically. And how much marketing and growth stuff do you do outside of the marketplace? Not a huge amount. I've done more in the last couple of years because I've started hiring a team who are handling the development and the customer support. Whereas previously I was doing all of that, which has freed me up to do a bit of experimentation on marketing. To be honest, everyone I talk to who builds for marketplaces says the same thing, which is like 90% plus of leads are coming from the marketplace, which is why potentially they're good as a, you know, sort of engineering as marketing play. If you've got a non-marketplace product, but you can build an integration, it's worth checking that out as an option, you know, as a, a way of getting a, a sort of a lead source in. So I do with the marketing, it's still at the experiment with it phase. I just want to see if there's something in there which is worth the investment. And if not, then not do it. And if it is, then I'll do more of it. But I suspect it's always going to be the same, that the majority of it comes from from the marketplace, basically. That's really cool. That interests me is like a you have such a constraint on your time. And if, if you could just build like a really great product and then the marketplace can do a lot of that the marketing distribution for you it's like such a great opportunity yeah yeah finding the marketplaces where there are the opportunities i think is is the challenge there basically there's there's a ton of them people have done blog posts haven't they on like you know 97 marketplaces for bootstrappers and that kind of thing thinking specifically back in the early days around corello and marketing because that first year i was having to do my own marketing more and was getting leads through that. And some of that was, you know, with the assistance of Trello, there's like, they had a Trello board of plugins, basically, most of which were like abandonware um, and stuff like that. But that kind of thing did help. There's one blog post we wrote there, which was useful, which would be worth people thinking if they can do something similar to it. So I did a, a guide to how to use the Trello API to build a chart, like a basic chart. And it was sort of a, a quick start to the Trello API, I guess. You know, there was sort of code examples you could download and you could very quickly go and get your API keys, tell you how to do all that, and then just sort of 
get some numbers out, I think it was, and maybe even put a quick chart up. And that was useful. And partly Trello linked to that. I linked it on, is it Programmable Web or something like that? This sort of API website. So I think I listed it on there and did like a summary of it there for them as well. And that actually sent a reasonable amount of traffic because I guess people were looking for Trello stuff on there. Um, and it performed quite well in Google. I think we've got sort of people coming through to that. And the thing is, the people coming through to it are often software developers who are looking to, I think, build their own burn down charts. You know, it's like somebody's been given, you know, the break between a one sprint and the next sprint or the end of term little project or something. It's like, oh, I'll just build like a burn down charts thing. And they spend all afternoon in my little tutorial and they get a few numbers out and they just realize how much of a pain in the art it's going to be to build you know, a burn down chart, let alone something like CFD cycle time, this kind of thing. At which point I can say to the boss, well, we can pay $30 for this thing, or you can pay me two weeks to build a, a less good version of it. Um, and that was actually a really good converting blog post, you know, at the time. I think it's, I'm not sure if it still performs so well now, but I, cause I haven't looked for a while, but yeah, something like that can be useful and was, yeah, it was a kind of a surprise to me. I, I built it because I had the knowledge and I was just looking for things to write about. It makes sense after the fact, like, yeah, of course that converts well. Have you come across Adam Devander, the developer marketing does not exist author? No. He writes about something similar that you figured out yourself, I guess is like, he calls it the developer Jedi mind trick. You show exactly how to build your thing. And in the process, people are like, whoa, that, that thing is actually really complex. I'll just buy yeah, yeah. your thing. <laughs> Yeah, well, this is the thing. It's like every developer thinks they could build your thing in a weekend, yeah. but also every developer, and I'm speaking as a software developer, is massively lazy. I mean, like if you're a good developer, you're lazy. That's why you don't write the same thing twice. You know, that's why you go and use libraries. That's why you refactor your code so that it's easier to reuse. It's sort of advanced laziness, all of it. So if anything does take longer than a weekend to build, they don't want to build it because because they're lazy. So yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, you show them how to build your thing, and they realize that it does take more than two days. And they say, yeah, we'll just buy it. I think that's all we've got time for. It's been really amazing speaking with you, learning about Corello and Blue Cat Reports. Could you tell us where people could learn more about what you're working on and about yourself? The, the main website is bluecatreports.com. So we've got all of our power-ups listed there. If you're using Trello, you've probably seen some of our stuff anyway. We've got guides on there. So we did a guide to free power-ups last year. So if any Trello users out there and they want to check that out, um, that's on the website and we, that's updated every single month with all the free power-ups, which you can't get on over at the Trello power-up directory. I was on Twitter. I'm kind of on a Twitter break, but I'm on Mastodon, but it's too complicated to explain to anyone how to find me on Mastodon. So if you go to my Twitter, which is at Robin Warren, you can find a link to my Mastodon. So, and maybe I'll be back on Twitter at some point or just come down to Timmouth and find me here on the beach somewhere. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks Robin. And thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back again soon. Okay.